Welcome to Larger Story Messages with Dr. Larry Crabb, helping you find purpose and joy in your life and relationships. For more teaching and resources, visit LargerStory.com. We're just getting started today with Heartlight Radio. Our host is Mark Gregston, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our guest, one of the good friends of this ministry, is Dr. Larry Crabb, and he's on the line with us now. Larry's the author of a number of books. We're going to zero in today, Larry, on your book, Shattered Dreams, because it fits the theme of our program, When Teens Shatter Your Dreams. Welcome. Good to be with you. It's good to have you here, Larry. I, I know that that as upbeat as I can welcome you and and uh, and share great things. You know, I know there's people out there that are listening, that are hurting in not believing that God's involved in all their mess they're dealing with with their teens. And we'd love to come to you and just get some insight from you. So share your heart with us about you know these families that are going through these tough times. Boy, that would take a long time to <laughs> share all that's involved in that. I'm one woman that I've uh, worked with, a single mom. Her child's about 16 years old, and they've called the cops on him about four times in the last month. And she shipped him out to live with another family member because she can't handle him. And just the other night, I remember um, my wife and I were with her, and I put my arm around her, and I said something that can sound so lame and so limp and so insipid. I simply mm-hmm. said, you know, I, I really want you to know how much Jesus loves you and how much I love you, too. And her response, she said, well, I wish he'd show it a little bit better. <laughs> she said, I feel like you love me more than he does. Oh, yeah. Well, she was honest, huh? Yeah, it's honest the way we feel when we're going through these things, because somehow in us, we have this idea that that uh, if, if we've done our best, that, that the only way God can, can really bless us and work deeply in our lives is, 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 is to give us what we think we need the most. And to give us kids that just affirm our parenting and kids that make us feel good about ourselves. And, and not that it's so selfish, but kids that we can enjoy and delight in are so thrilled to have. But a lot of parents aren't in the middle of that. And um, we've got to find some way to be able to meaningfully say that in the middle of that, Jesus loves you. And this you can know and that he is doing you good in the middle of it. But that's kind of hard to grasp. It is. You know, isn't it amazing how the minute that we don't feel that like he's just left us, you know, and and it just so happens that that God may be using their child to bring about a change in them as parents. And it kind of depends on what they value as the greatest good. The old Latin phrase, summum bonum, what is the greatest good? And I think that one of the natural things that I do and all of us do is we, we define something lesser as greater. We somehow believe that the greatest good has very little to do with my knowing God, becoming like Him, reflecting Him to others. My greatest good is my life going well in a particular way. In this case, we're talking about today, my kid's doing great. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's a greater good that God is after in the middle of the pain. And maybe that greater good has something to do with with detaching me from everything I value more than God so that I can value Him most deeply and then reflect something of his love to other people, including my teens, which then has the greatest chance of reaching them. Yeah. Larry, I know how highly you regard the scriptures, and Mark talks about Romans chapter 8 in his book, When Your Teen is Struggling. I wonder if we can talk about Romans 8 with you for a few minutes and get God's perspective on our pain. That's an incredible portion of scripture to look at in the middle of this, and I'm all for it. Let's go. All right. Where would you like to start? Well, I can think of a couple of places. Uh, Verse 18 of Romans 8, where the Apostle Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings, and we're talking about that, present sufferings might be a parent with a teen that's just hurting them so badly, Mm -hmm. shattering their dreams. I consider that our present sufferings are really not worth comparing with with what? (laughs) 
And then Paul says, with the glory that will be revealed in us. And man, it's so easy to read religious words like that and to say, well, they're sweet, but what, they, what do they have to do with me? And um, maybe that's not a bad place to start, that in the middle of sufferings, that God is revealing something which, if we knew what it was and could appreciate it, I think we'd actually be singing in the middle of our pain. Yeah, my translation says, compared to the glory that he will give us later. It's the yes. later that we struggle with, isn't it? That's the it? later part. That's right. We're not into delayed gratification. <laughs> yeah, especially in a in a society that says, I want it now. I yep. mean, there's, there's very much a, a sense of discomfort. I mean, I'm telling myself all the time, with all the kids that we deal with and, and that come across... Uh, you know, our program and and such, when we go through difficult times with them, it unnerves me, even though I deal with it all the time. There is something about it that causes a sense of, of come on, let's let's get this thing wasn't, resolved. It wasn't supposed to be this way. That's right. We had four kids run away last night from our program, and, and I didn't sleep, and it's kind of a, you know, just a hardship. But I go, you know what? God is at work with those kids. They're the prodigal kids now. And he's at work in their life as well. And nothing is going to draw those kids back other than love. And a lot of parents, and I'm in this category, when our older son gave us a real hard time a number of years ago, um, there, there was something in me that, that, uh, that had assumed I'd been loving him, but I really don't think I had been. I think what I'd been doing has been demanding of him and assuming that because I had been this great dad, you know, that I'd tried so hard to be a good dad, that he was therefore obligated to respond to my good parenting by confirming my value. And one of the things that that I feel very strongly about, and it's maybe the hardest thing to hear, and it sounds maybe cruel to say the parents that are hurting so much, but it sure helped me when I was hurting bad, was that you you really have to, have to, how do you you put this well? You really have to abandon your kids to God. You aren't abandoning them. Right. But you're saying, saying there, there is something that I'm after that is higher right now, then you're responding to me the way I want you to. And I remember saying to our older son back in the really hard days, I said, you know, you you have the power to keep me crying every night, but you don't have the power to keep me from loving you. And mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep on loving you. I'm going to keep on loving your mom, your brother, and I'm going to keep on trusting God. Now, I might be crying a whole lot, and I might be hurting a whole bunch over this, but 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 you you, you are not my God. You don't have the power uh, to 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 define the value of my life, and that that was very freeing for my son to hear because that's what I had been doing to him for a bunch of years. <laughs> you know, I think Romans eight also answers that mom who said to you, "I wish Jesus would show up," because verse thirty five says, "Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or cold or in danger or threatened with death? Nothing can separate us from His love." That's huge. And we do make the mistake, I think, often in Romans 8, where Paul says the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth, and not only so, but we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we also are groaning inwardly, because somewhere deep in our souls, life in this world with kids that are breaking up our hearts and shattering our dreams really does produce pain. And I think one thing that I think all of us want to say to parents that are hurting, to ourselves, no matter what we're hurting about, is that it isn't wrong to hurt. It isn't wrong to groan. It's, it's, it's part of living in this fallen world that we do groan. Our Lord groaned, and I believe he's still groaning as he looks down. But he's groaning in hope. He knows that all the pain that we're going through is moving to something that eventually we're going to see as an incredible party. We're going to get to the party. We're going to dance. We're going to eat like the Dickens. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be wonderful. But there's got to be you have to have to keep that in, in sight that we're heading toward 
something that his love guarantees. And when I get hold of that, it, it'll, that, that, that hope allows me to rest a little bit and then not turn to my child with this demanding agony of you've got to change because my life depends on it. That puts so <laughs> much pressure on the kid. Yeah, we, and, we, we set them up for, for failure because they can never exactly uh, they can never do that for us. Well, kids make bad gods. And yeah. we're really requiring them to be a god by defining our life. And I really do believe that when when our son rebelled, I, I certainly think he's accountable for his rebellion. I don't want to blame the parent. I don't want to blame myself. But I do want to blame myself for where I'm worthy of blame, not for my son's rebellion. But I believe there was something in me that was saying to him, my whole identity depends on you. And I think he was saying, I, I can't measure up to that. I'm taking off. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we exasperate the situation, huh? Yeah, I think we do. You know, it's, a, it's amazing to me that... that we can quote so many scriptures about, you know, that we are being killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. We're going through the tough times. God's bringing it all together. And there's comfort in knowing that there's purpose and meaning and intent on God's part in all of it. But you know what? Sometimes it doesn't make it any easier, but it makes it bearable. You know, because I know all the scriptures, and I have parents telling me all the time, why don't you just tell me the scriptures? And I go, sweetheart, you can look in scripture all you want and read every one of those scriptures, and it brings about truth, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to go through pain. That's yeah, a part of it. The, the only the only answer to pain, ultimately, is heaven. Yeah. And until then, there is going to be groaning. But I think that the pain can be... Uh, can be made not only bearable, as wonderful as the hope is that makes it bearable, but it, it really can be, uh, I don't want to say reduced, but I want to say um, transformed. And the way it can be transformed, it seems to me, really involves community. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most important things, I think, when parents are going through shattered dreams is to realize that somewhere down deep they feel very guilty and very ashamed, but if they can make known openly what is going on to another person, a spiritual friend, a soulmate, uh, hopefully a spouse, but if not a spouse, at least a good friend, a pastor, an elder, someone, that when they make known what is going on and make known the depths of their pain and make known the struggle they're going through, and when the other person doesn't judge, when the other person stays with them, when the other person moves toward them as opposed to withdraws from them, I think there's something in that process of spiritual companionship that that, that communicates a very powerful message that my central identity is not failure, my central identity is not pain, my essential identity is not shattered dreams. My essential identity really is God's love. And that's going to free me to keep on moving in the middle of my tears toward my son, toward my daughter, not rejecting them. And you've got to think that on that night when you get the call from the police, right? Yes, and that's where, that's where you've got to be with somebody. I remember when we got that call from the police, we actually did. And uh, I remember when I got the call, I, I literally lost strength in my legs, fell on the floor, and began screaming. Mm-hmm. I literally did. And um, and yet there were a couple of people there, and a couple of more people came to take care of this basket case psychologist who had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> Somehow and, it comforts me to know you went through that, Larry. <laughs> oh my! You see, and was, I think, and that's part of the ministry. I think that happens somewhere that when you let those needs be known, you know what? It does make me feel good to know that other people have struggled. Yes. Yeah. It's Larry, part of the human experience. It is. I am so sorry. We are out of time for this segment, but uh, you're a good friend, and I hope you'll come back often here on Heartlight Radio. It's a joy to. 
chat with you guys. It really is. I know the ministry you're having, and I know the impact that you're having, and uh, I just appreciate joining with you for a little bit. Larry, thank you so much. Great being with you. That's Dr. Larry Crabb, and when we come back, we'll talk more with Mark about when your teens shatter your dreams, and you'll find information online at heartlightradio.org. We'll be right back with Heartlight Radio. Thanks for listening to Larger Story Messages with Dr. Larry Crabb. To subscribe, visit LargerStory.com.